0: Above all, be the heroine in your life, not the victim. Nor Ephron.
1: Welcome to Her Own Words, a Dear Damsels podcast. We're Abby and Bridie, the team behind Dear Damsels, and this podcast is part of our overall mission to provide a platform for female voices which is what we've been doing online and in print for the past three years. We want to share women's stories in their own words. Today, we're gonna to be catching you up on the first few months of 2019 with Dear Damsels, including including <laughs> our Galentine's Day get-together and our first few themes of the year and some of our exciting things like our new blog space and the publication of the DD Annual, yay! we started this episode with a quote from Nora Ephron. So why did you pick this quote, Bridie?
0: Well, I've been reading a lot of Nora Ephron essays online at the moment. I feel like she's always around lurking in like the Twitter sphere. people always post stuff that she says because she's such a brilliant writer. I had a bit of a rough start to the year and I think that she's really good at talking about like emotion and creative outlets and things like that and it always makes me feel a lot calmer. The quote that I've picked is one of the most famous actually, when I googled it like to make sure it was correct, there were <laughs> loads of Pinterest images of the, of the quote. <laughs> I think it's from her commencement address at Wellesley College in 1996. I interpret it as a reminder to not be passive in, her own, in our own lives, but more active, it's really easy to feel a lot of things are happening to you, not with you or alongside you, especially when you're having a bit of a difficult time. It sort of reminds me to not let the difficult moments define me and remember that I'm a person, I'm an individual, I have a voice and a story, I'm the heroine, I'm not just sitting around, I'm not passive, and only I can choose how everything affects me.
1: I really love that quote and I really agree and it kind of struck me when I read it about how you can kind of remind yourself that you are the heroine by like through the act of writing yeah. and since the start of this year I've mentioned this to you before I've been doing that one good thing every day just writing down a good thing for every day whether it's like Such a, lovely, a big thing activity. yeah or a small thing but looking back over it, it really shows you that you know you can kind of shape your own narrative you know yeah. like you don't need to let the bad things kind of take over and everything yeah.
0: and that leads us nicely onto to the first section of our podcast which is recently on dear damsels where we have a brief discussion of our themes from the recent months and have conversations around what has happened what we've been discussing and the pieces we've received abby would you briefly explain how the whole themes works on the website
1: we have a new theme every month and we have open submissions so anyone can send us they're writing on that theme and their interpretation. For example, in March, the theme was promise. And we're having a whole month of conversation around that theme.
0: Because we're but... recording in March. Abby's not just skipping forward to Sorry, March. yes. <laughs> I mean, it's a bit awkward opening with this because actually in January, we took a break. We didn't actually have a theme in January, which is strange for us because it was our first break in the whole three years we've set up Mm. uh, Dear damsels, It was a decision that was made, firstly, as a joke. I remember you mentioning it in, like, a meeting, like, maybe we should take a break in January. Like, ha-ha, good one, because we were, like, knee-deep in annual (gasps) stuff, like, prepping all of that whilst running the website, whilst doing our themes, thinking about next year, all that sort of thing. But then it sort of grew, and then I think I messaged you, like, I have a plan for what Mm. we'll do if we take the break. And it felt really odd. We just hadn't done it before. There wasn't a time when I didn't have to you know i guess it's like the
1: day-to-day running of yeah which is uh yeah posting a new piece every other day we basically wanted to give ourselves the time to launch a few different projects which we're going to talk about later but we realized like we just physically couldn't do it if we were going to be doing our usual
0: day-to-day running
1: so that's where that's where the break came in
0: but giving ourselves that space it was so hard for us to, like, realise that we would need to do it because it isn't our job. Dear Damsels isn't a job, as we say many times. It's a voluntary organisation, just me and Abby in our spare time. It wasn't needed. We could still do it. But there was a lot of guilt around that, I think. And we ended up sort of having a discussion about burnout and why it's important to take breaks. I think burnout is something that is so prominent in our generation. And you hear about it a lot, millennial burnout, like breakdown, taking breaks, self-care. There's this whole discussion and movement around looking after yourself, because Mm -hmm. for some reason, we seem to have forgotten how to do that properly. And actually, um, I wrote a blog about it, so we'll talk about this a bit later, but we recently launched the Dear Damsels blog um, on our website, and our opening post was in January to try and explain to our collective why we had taken a break. Mm -hmm. While writing writing that blog, I realised, like, this is sort of a broader issue. And not to be cocky, (laughs) but I'm just gonna read a bit from the blog, which I think sort of summarises some of the discussions that me and abs were having and actually when we posted it on instagram and twitter we had a lot of responses back being like, mm. completely feel this really understand really good you take a break uh, so this is a quote from the blog that i wrote on burnout and taking breaks there's a new pressure in our lifetime a slightly skewed version of the old ideal of having it all we are not having it all with sky high rents insecure job opportunities and a dumpster fire political climate there's no chance of us achieving anything close to everything but we can aspire to is doing it all to filling out that CV with extra bullet points to show your commitment, to coming home from a nine-to-five to work on your own six-to-twelve, to to adding three extra identifiers to your social media profile. We feel like we need to keep busy to hustle, to boss it.
1: I love this blog so much, and I think you Absolutely. absolutely... No worries. You, like, nail it in that way of explaining previously the pressure was to have it all. So I guess that was, like be married and have a house which is not realistic anymore so now we've we've made up this thing that we're going to do it all and we're going to be the
0: person yeah who, it's like go hashtag boss, yeah, exactly. hustle sleep when you're dead it's like that's a terrible message mm. to have
1: and i think you went on to to explain how it's just not possible to mm. to do it all and so taking a break is so important and we really found that in january even though we kept ourselves Busy, very busy yeah we but... ended up becoming like break in air
0: quotation marks because I think me and you were just like we're doing so much are we mm. having a break but it was because we were able to achieve a lot because we weren't having to do that day to day stuff and taking a break from that was so important for us because we hadn't done it in so long. And it meant that when we came to February, we had a really clear goal. You know, mm. we had redone the website, we would launched an event, we had the annual, we had done our podcast, we would put this, uh, the last episode out. We had done loads of things that we had been sitting on for ages mm. because we had the headspace. Yeah, and I think
1: just being able to give yourself permission to kind of take one thing off of your to-do list, being like, I'm actually not going to do that. I'm going to just put it to one side and... I think that can be really helpful in letting yourself get other things done, which are more important to you.
0: Exactly. And yeah, it's sort of made us realise, like, it's good to take breaks. And we were really happy when we came back in February. So that leads us nicely (laughs) onto our discussion of our February theme, which was Origins. We were really excited to launch, as I just said, because we hadn't had a theme in January. And it opened up so many conversations, which was really interesting for us because we end up having a lot of thematic pairings in our pieces. We don't usually get it so obviously, I would say. Sometimes we get pieces that feel very, very similar. And usually our inclination is to post one or the other just because we don't want to have repetitive conversation. But because of this Mm. theme and it happening so regularly, we decided to take advantage of that. So we ended up having themes about bodies and faces and inheritance the origin of where your appearance is from your physical self we have phrases like she gave me her face to talk about a grandmother's inheritance and things like that we had people talking about the places and experiences that they think have made them but still being really unsure Mm. of their identity maria moore megan graham and leanne murden all spoke about this there was actually Mm. one piece talking about how because of brexit suddenly she feels now they've had to define themselves never thought about it before yeah um, I remember Maria Moore talking about how she can vaguely understand the language of her grandparents but not really but still feels slightly familiar to her mm, It's um,
1: kind of tracing back those different parts of your identity yeah
0: definitely um
1: and the different one I love how you called it thematic pairings I did English
0: literature can't you tell
1: because <laughs> we had a kind of duo of pieces on the destroying like the destruction of diaries which is such Just, a specific topic To yeah. and i loved how we got two pieces about it so we we published them both really close together um they were by flora willis and amina rasek um yeah they were what, great yeah i love them so much do go find them yeah one's about burning a diary and kind of feeling release from that past version of yourself and one's about shredding Diary yeah, but actually comes back to accepting the younger version of yourself also a different i 'm um, just going to say theme within the theme and that came up was food that kind of way to trace your identity. I think the preparation of food and cooking is something you see so much of when you're growing up and Mm, recipes being passed down that's such an interesting way of looking at family and sort of where you come from and we had two really lovely pieces one was called of lemons by gabrielle turner yeah which was so beautiful it's kind of like a magic realism kind of piece about a girl who kind of carries the scent of lemons around with her wherever she goes that kind of comes back to her grandmother who had this habit of preserving lemons it's so beautiful it was really
0: beautiful and the other one that we had was, I'm gonna say Pete. I'm so sorry if that's not how you pronounce it. We have Googled and wikipedia it. I'm sure the author, Nora Salmani, could tell us. Yeah, exactly it's a type of kind how, of phyllo yeah, pie. Yeah, which looks so delicious, but yeah, I'm so sorry if I just butchered the title. But basically it's a piece, it's a poem, a really beautiful poem about the ritual of baking and recipes, learning, connecting to your heritage. It's like the, well, the protagonist of the poem, I'm assuming Nora calls up her mum and asks her how to make this um, pastry. It's beautiful, And it's all about the physical acts of doing something, connecting to her mother down the phone, calling Mm. her up for advice. It was a really nice piece of, yeah, what Abby mentioned before about how food connects you to your past. Mm. You know, the ritual of doing something is the same thing that your mum did before Mm. you and your grandmother did before you. There's
1: something, like, back to basics about it. Yeah,
0: it's like, I feel like, yeah, I'll read it. I'm going to read a section in a second. But the, you know, like, tactileness Mm. and muscle memory, the guidance that you get on how to move Mm. your body, it's just... I think it was a re- those pieces are really lovely to, again, we really love peaceful food, but <laughs> to sort of connect back to origins, you know, you're also making something, it's the origin of you baking this thing, as well as connecting yourself to your own origins. So I'm just going to read an excerpt uh, from the poem now. I phone mum before I do anything. She talks me through getting the dough right. Warm salt water and flour, no lumps. She doesn't work in measurements, so I throw in handfuls of flour and hope it's enough. She can hear through the phone that it's not right. I promise to call her back.
1: I love that so much, it's so beautiful. And then taking us on to our next month, the current month that we are in right now, which is March, and the theme for March was Promise, and I love this one because I think it just immediately conjures really strong ideas. I love that the word promise is kind of a question and an answer in itself, and like, whereas we saw a really distinct thematic pairing <laughs> in Origins in February, Promise is proved to be much more like a scattergun of yeah. really different responses quite a few poems though so <laughs> well a lot of poetry which is always really interesting why does like a specific theme lead to us getting like
0: one type of writing yeah, yeah or to perform even yeah i mean yeah was very interesting we don't know
1: why I mean, we love poetry, so it's going to be a great month of poetry. How we have opened the theme is with a poem called To Me, Love Me by Emily Tucker. It's really a piece about the promises we make to ourselves. And it's kind of like a catalogue of promises that the protagonist is making to herself, like not to smoke anymore, Mm. to kind of eat healthily, but also give herself the kind of food she wants. And it felt important to start with the promises we make to ourselves because I think so often those are the ones those are the promises we end up breaking even though they're so important i think you make i mean like daily promises to other people so i always think about how you would often sort of say right i'm just gonna stay in this week and just have a quiet one but then as soon as somebody's like are you free tomorrow? Should we do something?
0: You're like, yeah, absolutely. I love that this is your example because Abby's just had a week of going out for drinks every single <laughs> night. Right. She's like, I just. I
1: just I've actually it. written in my diary for next week like quiet week. <laughs> to try and reinforce
0: that. Um, yeah, you sort of made the promise to yourself, but it's it's easier for other people to hold you accountable than you to hold yourself mm, accountable. Definitely. You're the person who you will let down more. I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's so true. So it was really important
0: to start with those kind of yeah. promises
1: to yourself. And
0: like, what was really great is, yeah, as Abby mentioned, there good promises you know it's not like shaming it's like i'm Mm. gonna you know go to the gym every single day like emily writes about you know not smoking wear appropriate shoes but also feed yourself good food and strawberry laces and drink gin if that's what you want um so there's a really good balance they're like reasonable promises
1: and ones that you actually can keep which feels so important whereas I think often we think about New Year's resolutions which we all kind of know we're not going to keep yeah I know it's
0: like making ones that are more more achievable but also ones that aren't punishing yourself really Mm. and it's not it's a promise to like respect yourself and love yourself really to me love me is in the title and it was really Mm -hmm. beautiful yeah a fantastic poem to open with we also found the theme not quite a thematic pairing but um, a poem that explores something similar is a surplus by sarah little but it comes at the idea of making promises to yourself from a different angle as it talks about when you're in a relationship or at the end of a relationship and how easy it is to break the promises that you set out Mm,
1: with yeah it's yeah it's yeah completely like a different angle on the same thing but um i will read a section from the poem we can't even talk now Because the situation forbids it, predicts it, demands it. I promise I'll break all my promises, break my promise-making habit, if you just give me another chance. And then later on, it continues. I break all the promises I made to you, even though you're not here to know it now, and recount all the ones you made to me. So I just love that kind of, there's like a messiness to Mm. it. And actually, what Sarah mentioned in her email when she sent the poem over was that her inspiration was a quote she read, which is, Promises are like pottery. You never keep as many as you make. And I think that fragility and, like, messiness of making making promises that were, like, made to be broken and that you could never keep, I, I think that comes across so strongly. And, yeah, it just made me think about how messy the kind of business of promise-making is mm. and, like, whether you should ever make promises to people oh god yeah I
0: mean this theme made me really think about how many times I promise things like I really pride myself on being someone who's trustworthy and stuff like that never late never late oh my god never late yeah I was telling Abby I'm I'm just gonna call him out on the podcast because I can my boyfriend was half an hour late to m- meet me yesterday and I was just like I just never would do that but that's because that's the standard I hold myself to but again it's a bit ridiculous like making that sort of promise no one you know no one really Cares. It's the whole, yeah, I think promises lead to standards so quickly. And I think that's what this poem talks about how when you're in a relationship, your standards may shift, you expect something else. So when she leaves the relationship, breaks all those promises because mm. they were never hers in the first place. Yeah, it's like making
1: a promise before, like, yeah, whether you know you can keep them or not. Like at the start of a relationship, you're entering into kind of promises yeah. when really you have no idea about what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, exactly.
0: But then again, that leads back to, you know, Emily's poem where she's in a relationship with herself. You know, that way you talk about yourself, making promises you can keep and manage is a really healthy relationship to have with yourself. What Sarahs is saying is making those promises with someone else can be damaging, can not be quite... What you're meant to do it's really interesting we had such great discussions about the level of promise and the weight that promise has um i would also just like to shout out uh, to the pieces that we have coming up
1: shout out,
0: shout out. <laughs> i can stop start again because you giggled <laughs> I would just like to mention also the pieces that encapsulated the promise of the coming spring. Uh, It's March and it's very warm today. Mm, We've had so Um, many weird
1: hot February days. Yeah, not to
0: become that podcast that talks about the weather, but I'm going to have to take off my jumper in a second. I actually really love talking about the weather. That's one of, (laughs) I was something I realised the other day, I love talking about the weather. I mean, it's one of those things that is the baseline of all conversation. You've been outside today? (laughs) Oh my God, it's so (laughs) warm. You've got a broadly, like, those conversations bind us as people. So we had some pieces that came through sort of as the result of the heat, I think. And as the warming days getting in, winter seeping away, um Maria Moore wrote a fantastic poem about spring, and uh, we've got winter days by Tamara von werth which is talking about the like closeness of winter mm. and closes with looking towards spring. I have had those moments
1: where you've stepped outside and it on one of those weird sunny February days, and you're just like, this is what summer is like, yeah, and it just like <laughs> reminds you which i and I love that idea of kind of the promise of
0: things to yeah. come
1: which is something we had in mind when we were writing the letter yeah. so it's kind of nice that the weather is tied in yeah too.
0: the weather's just the theme. <laughs> doing a dear damsels theme thank you so much <laughs> we really appreciate you contributing
2: this stuff.
0: our next section is dearest damsels where we talk about projects and have readings from women who we think are doing great things and that you should be aware of we're talking to elizabeth Lovett, who is the founder of the tiny letter tiny narrative we first found her through the writings that she submitted for Dear Damsels, which are brilliant. You should definitely check them out on our website. But she's involved in a lot of creative projects and groups and platforms. And you can find out about all of that on her website, www.elisabethlobet.com. But we wanted to focus on Thai narratives specifically because we think it's a really interesting way to share stories. And we love a good newsletter. And so here's Elizabeth talking about that project.
2: Hi, my name is Elizabeth Lovett. I'm a writer of short fiction and creative non-fiction. I'm also the creator of The Tiny Narrative, which is a bi-monthly newsletter for narrative obsessives that covers everything from pop culture reviews, personal essays, and short fiction, with a focus on everything story-driven, whether it's the media we're consuming, the stories that we tell ourselves, or ones we write for others. So I started The Tiny Narrative just under a year ago. It really is a way for me to be able to share my writing, as creatively I felt like I was in a bit of a rut at the time. And I just wanted a space where I could like write about the video games I was playing that day or a book that I'd really love or just a piece of flash fiction that I'd written but never really found a place for it to be published. I'm a massive fan of tiny letters. I subscribe to so many and I just love them so much. They're so great. There's so many brilliant women writing tiny letters and they're very lo-fi. It's very easy to set up a tiny letter. You can share it really quickly and it just really appealed to me. And I just think there's something particularly lovely about an email rather than a blog. It's something that feels really more intimate. It kind of comes into your inbox and it sits there until you're ready to really read it. And I kind of like that it involves this tiny bit of commitment as you have to like opt in and sign up and subscribe to it. You have to actually want to receive it, which is something that I really liked. It's really hard to pick a favourite piece, but I think one of my favourite moments was Sarah Sherwood's tiny letter that she wrote for us. She's an amazing writer. A lot of Dear Damsel readers will already know her. She wrote this brilliant tiny narrative about the Princess Diaries writing to Mia as if she was older and kind of imagining how her life might have turned out. And it covers Sarah's experience of reading the books and what it's like to be a teenage girl. And it's just brilliant. She writes with such a warmth and lightness and humour. And then uh, Meg Cabot, the author, retweeted it and said that it made her cry. And I think Sarah and I shared it over every single social media channel that we had. That was a real peak moment for me. (laughs) There are a couple of ways that you can support the Tiny Narrative. I'm always on the lookout to collaborate more with other writers and submissions are always open. I have a mini-series within The Tiny Narrative called Queer Stories, which are narratives all about coming out and being part of the queer community. Or you can just get involved on a more general level if you just have a story that you want to tell, whether it's fiction or non-fiction. We're very open to anything. And you can just email us over at thetinynarrative at gmail.com or come find me on Twitter. I'm just at Elizabeth Lovett if you want to have a chat about an idea that you've got. And then the other way you can support us is just to sign up to The Tiny Narrative. You can find us at tinyletter.com forward slash the tiny narrative. And from there, you can subscribe and also read our entire archive and share them far and wide.
1: Thanks so much to Elizabeth for speaking about the brilliant tiny narrative and do make sure you go check them out. And that brings us on to the next part of the episode, which is online offline. This is a part where we talk about things going on elsewhere on the internet and generally in the IRL world.
0: So something that we wanted to talk about was um, one of our favourite online platforms, The Pool, went into administration at the end of January. I'm sure you've heard about The Pool. We featured it a lot in our Sunday roundups and retweeted pieces. It was a really great space for Female writing and female perspectives on cultural issues, um, stuff that's going on in politics, and just pieces about you know the female experience, which is obviously something we care about a lot for our own platform. The platform was founded in 2015, um, and when it went bust, there was a huge amount of outrage, mainly from unpaid staff, obviously a majority of who were freelancers who were suddenly left adrift and financially insecure, not being paid for months. I first started seeing stuff about it on Twitter in December, I think, when people said they hadn't paid since August, which is obviously. Terrible. And there's a whole other discussion that we could have about freelancer culture and how they should protect writing and freelancers. But that's not really what we wanted to focus on. Our perspective is trying to talk about what this means for online media and specifically female-fronted and focused platforms such as The Pool who create space for certain marginalized voices, such as women women. Or BAME voices mm. and you know, voices that you just don't usually hear in mainstream media.
1: Mm, they did so much about repealing the A. Yeah, didn't they, they did so
0: much. And like it was just it was such a good place to hear a perspective that you don't really get on like the Guardian or the Observer on a political thing. Mm. I remember when the gender pay gap stuff came out, and obviously it was being covered by all of these other major news platforms, but the pool had so many individual. Perspectives and mm. also a long list that they just kept updating with which companies had got out of the gender pay gap. And it was obviously they knew that their audience, mainly women, wanted to know the facts. They didn't mm. want to hear excuses, they didn't want to hear like what people say, but no, I want to hear exactly the facts. And that made you feel really strongly involved as a member of their audience in the platform, which actually reminded us a lot of Rookie. And um, when the pool folded, me and Abby spoke about it. And it reminded us of when Rookie also shut. I think it was in November last year. Yeah. And Tavi Gebison wrote it. Wrote it? Tavi Geberson wrote. There we go. Um, her final editor letter for Rookie. And it was like five pages long. And it was, it amazing. was amazing. And it made us, yeah. Mm. I mean, we definitely had a long discussion about it after we read it. Yeah.
1: And if you don't know about Rookie, they are essentially uh, an online magazine created like for but also by teenagers, founded in twenty eleven by Tabby Geverson, who was fifteen when she founded it, which is crazy. But at the end of last year, she wrote this amazing editor's letter explaining why she'd made the decision to bring it to a close because you it wasn't sort of financially sustainable anymore but not because she didn't have other options there were there were avenues she should, she could have gone down mm. uh, sort of taking investment from other places Yeah she
0: talks a lot about advertisement and mm. going into meetings with like big men in suits yeah. <laughs> and just sitting there and being like I don't want this no, on my platform Exactly
1: and which was so interesting for us because she talked a lot about how it was business um and it was created for other people but also so much of herself had gone into Mm. it and she couldn't hand it over completely to somebody else but yeah it was it's just a really honest piece about like where are we with online platforms at the moment how are we going to make them sustainable and self-sufficient the the options are kind of limited and we're all in a a weird space where Mm. we're working it out and like, with the pool shows, like, it just looked from the outside like it was running as normal. Yeah. You wouldn't have really known anything was going well, wrong. yeah,
0: like, I think, um I remember when it was all happening, like, reading all this stuff and, like, freelancers were talking about it. The pool editors were still commissioning because they had been told that was what they were meant to do. Mm-hmm. And the editor, um I think her name was Cat Sylvia, but I'm not sure about her surname, but she was on Twitter being like, I'm trying to work on the unpaid stuff, but I'm being told to keep working. So that's what I'm going to keep doing. I definitely think that, yeah, social media it all seem to be fine, apart from the undercurrent of people talking about it. And yeah, and also you wanted to believe it was okay. Mm. I think it's so important. Like the internet is amazing. It's also terrible and a fire pit. <laughs> However, for mostly, I think, it's like we definitely found when we were setting up DD is that if you're willing to work hard, willing to put time in and willing to source, edit content, you have a strong goal you're gonna find an audience mm. you're gonna have a platform that you can be like work on be proud of but and carving a space especially for female voices is really important there needs to be spaces where people who can't hear themselves in mainstream media or aren't hearing people like them around can go and find work that you know they feel reflected in mm. and like we've seen that with like the rise of like Gauden and things like that just having it just you know blew up because there wasn't a platform mm. for women of color and you know, the pool wasn't the most intersectional, it was quite London-centric. However, it did mm. provide a perspective on what was going on yeah. and culturally yeah. that we didn't hear. Yeah. But despite all this great stuff, it obviously wasn't financially viable. Mm.
1: And it's interesting because it's obviously it provided an alternative almost to like your traditional kind of women's mags. Mm. Um, and again, rookie was an alternative to the teenage girls' mags like go-go and Miz. It was providing a an alternative for the girls who didn't see themselves in that way. Yeah.
0: Um, And I remember Rookie was, like, really, like, it was felt very much a community. mm. One of the quotes that Tavi says in her editor letter was that the organicness of Rookie was in part a testament to the way people rallied around it. The contributors and readers who are willing to share pieces of themselves and support each other. And that is definitely what Rookie was. Like, it was a lot of, like, very intensive back and forth between editor Tavi and people working on the team and its readers. But this isn't enough anymore. like it doesn't matter if you have a really engaged audience. well I mean it does but like in terms of like making a platform sustainable, you can't just have that level of yes, engagement yeah, then you have the financial yeah. model behind
1: it and, and nobody really knows what no it one is. really knows what to do. like I was saying to you about how when the guard you scroll down to the bottom of a guardian article and it asks for money and it's and it always feels a bit awkward and like not quite the right way yeah. to go about it, but also you understand they have to do it because what else are they going to do? Yeah.
0: But it just feels like we're all working out the way forward. Because there's, yeah, there's such a desire for content. But the thing is, like, so much content is free. Mm. There's a hesitation to pay for it um, because you're like, oh, like, I, I'm definitely guilty of this. I'll be trying to read an article and there's a paywall comes up. I'm just like, oh, no, it's fine. I'll see mm. what else someone else said about it. So I guess we're spoiled. Yeah, we're spoiled because really? it's just there's so much. But obviously, like, there's a moment when you have to start thinking about, like, yeah, if I support this platform, I need to maybe financially supported because otherwise stuff happens like you know there's buzzfeed layoffs and vice mm. layoffs that were happening also in December actually I remember this yeah. like that was going on and the pool and it was just like you know writing it's so important to reflect what's going on in the in the world and to hear people's voices and to learn things and to feel like you're there is someone out there who knows how you're feeling and has just put it down into a words that you can relate to. And if we don't support that sort of craft, like, financially. It's just going to be adverts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just going to be sponsor content, which isn't bad. But then, like, you know, if there's a sponsored content piece. You should probably read the sponsor content piece, understanding that it's paying for that really emotional, personal essay that you loved last week. You know, that sort of thing. But, yeah, we don't really know. I mean, this isn't, like, a discussion that's going to have a solution, mm-hmm. um, especially from a Dear Damsel's perspective. We don't make any money, um, and yeah. but that's okay because we have the annual, which basically funds everything else. Like any mm-hmm. event we do is funded by like the annual, or you and, know, and
1: then events themselves, then events themselves make money, money for
0: the annual. And we've got ideas to do other things and more events and stuff. That's kind of something that we're thinking about, you know, but we always have to think about. So that's why when like something like the pool folded, it's something that we used as like a example of what we mm. could be.
1: Yeah, and that's an important point. Just making sure we need to have those examples for others to inspire others. Like like I said about rookie yeah. really inspired us. Start, yeah, it definitely so. did.
0: Like that was a thing. Yeah. So last year it was like Rookie went we're like, oh no, and then the pool but like, oh god, like yeah. but that's okay, because there are loads of independent platforms that we still really engage with. It's just trying to work out how to navigate this part of like content is free, but how can you support it in a creative way without seeing like you're just selling your soul to advertisement mm-hmm. and it's just it's all very complicated and um, we haven't got a solution but we did want to just talk about how important the pool was and there was um a thread on Twitter from Caroline O'Donoghue who I think was an editor there and the regular contributor who, um, and it's a really great Twitter Fred. I'm sure you can find it if you search her name, but um, one of the points that she made was, no UK publication covered Repeal the 8th as much as we did. No one talked about gynecological health as much as we did. No one promoted small-scale female authors and creators like we did. These might be small things, but I believe, I really believe they made a difference. That takes us on
1: to our next section of the podcast, which is the what you need to know section about what's going on in our world. The main thing is we had our first event of the year and our, I guess it's like our fourth event. Fifth yeah. event, isn't it? No, I think we've only had four.
0: <laughs> Am I making that all up in my head? <laughs> yeah. Probably. I mean... Wait, we had launch... Lord. Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. I like to think that we're more achieving way more than we are. It was our fourth event,
2: number and four,
1: and it was a good one. It was a um, good one. So it was for Valentine's Day. Um, our Valentine's Day get together is our biggest event ever, which is worth saying. We had this feeling that maybe, based on the fact we'd sold out our first two events, which were in a lovely pub called the Betsy Trotwood in Faraday. Which we love um, eternally, just uh, got far too small. Yeah, so, you know, we had kind of 50 people in and it got really cramped and we thought maybe we could try a bigger venue, which was very scary. And for some reason we thought, let's ask Waterstone, John Road. <laughs> and it turns out they said yes. So there's a lesson for you, like, do you Just ask
0: people. <laughs> I remember, so we started selling tickets and... We checked in with our contact at Waterstones about a couple of weeks through, and he was like, oh, you've sold 62 tickets. Oh, and we were, and we were like, like, brilliant, fine. Yeah. And Abby, typical Abby's way, was like, if we keep it at 62, that's fine. Like, <laughs> if it's any more, I might panic a bit, but 62 is fine. We check in a week before the event. We're like, oh, you've sold 93. And we're like, okay, by the night, I think we sold out. Yeah, 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 it was
1: it was packed to capacity, and it was a brilliant night. Uh, we, had, like, we had this feeling that Galentine's was a good you know, combination, like Dear Dams and Scalantines, and it went down well. The night was kind of split into two halves, and we had a panel to start us off. The panel was about how taboos can be broken through the power of sharing yeah. female experience. Like we were kind of thinking about the stuff you go through as a teenager. Um, yeah, or like but,
0: more heavy stuff like sexual assault, and the yeah, recent yeah. Me Too movements, and how women sharing their experiences and talking to each other can incite social change yeah basically. absolutely
1: and so we had on the panel becca from break the habit press becky from anti Diet riot club and chloe from f girls club just brilliant speakers and the discussion was so interesting and if you're there on the night i really hope you enjoyed it and kind of took something away from it and then the second half of the evening we had our readings you can't have a dear Damsels event without some poetry no. you, read. <laughs> you oh. cannot um we had Sarah Japari from, um, so as a writer in her own right, but also launched Token Magazine on her own and is amazing we had Sarah Sherwood who is a perennial Dear favourite and is like the go-to writer for female she's friendships she's amazing so you couldn't have a Galentine's Day event without her <laughs> and um, we had the poetry collective Four Brown Girls Who Write and they closed the night and it was the perfect way yeah, to end the night it was They were so wonderful uh, it's actually only three out of four yeah um, on the night because
0: I kept saying Four Brown Girls I could see people like there's only three so we had to reference like <laughs> I can't count <laughs> we can all count one of them isn't here we um, probably yeah. couldn't make it but
1: yeah, um but they were amazing. Uh do like check them out. They also have a book published by Fem Press. With the same name as their um collective. That was on sale through Waterstones on the Night and people were like queuing up to buy it and getting them to them. sign it. It yeah. was like really exciting thing for people who don't really know
0: how to host events to yeah <laughs> yeah To see it like you know obviously it was a great end of the night and just to see i think it was like our biggest challenge in a while i would say definitely um, because it was a, he- a bigger event for us and we're not naturals at this like we really are i think um, event
1: organization is a specific skill because you have to like thrive off the pressure of it which we do we do not. Not. <laughs> not we
0: panic um but it's definitely like an event like we love events like even though you know we're not biggest fan of hosting them and stuff. But we do it because we feel it's the clearest demonstration of how creating the platform that we have can give you great opportunities to invite speakers to get up and talk to their collective, perform their work, introduce them to new... Avenues and new women yeah. doing fantastic work. You know, like there was so much good discussion, and energy from that evening because people hadn't heard of Anti-White Riot Club before, or people hadn't heard of Four Brown Girls Who Write, mm.
1: or there were people who had only discovered us through, through Four their, Brown yeah. Girls Who Write, for example, posting it on their channel, so wanting to come to see them, and then through that discovering us. So, like, what an amazing thing it was to an kind amazing of bring evening. different communities yeah. together, and that we
0: thought was a perfect celebration for Galentine's, really.
1: Which... Yeah, oh, that's so true. Yeah, it was great. So, in conclusion. We had and. an event. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So, you know, maybe there'll be another one at some point. I don't know. I like that you've now said that on the I podcast, so we have why. to do it. Thanks, do We'll keep you updated. The other thing to mention is that the annual actually published. Yay. Yeah, in the last
0: podcast, we were talking about it. It going to going press. but we weren't sure when it would go to press in conjunction with us publishing the podcast. Yeah, but just confirm, it's out there. Yes.
1: Officially kind of published on the 10th of January. You've all, like, sent us so many nice pictures
0: of your copy of the annual can we just say that was our favorite thing because yeah. it's just so nice to Did see it in a place in
1: the wild in the world, yeah. little baby going out there yeah and it's just, so exciting yeah we won't bang on about it but the other thing to mention is that it's also you can buy it directly through us you can also go on to picks and ink i think it's dot org maybe just look the up on instagram <laughs> they are an amazing publisher of independent magazines if you're looking to get like a haul of independent magazines go there, order the Dear Damsels* <laughs> annual and then also get like five others and it's all for the same yeah, really cheap really packaging yeah. so it's a good way to find some new amazing
0: independent magazines. Yeah and the final thing that we'd just like to mention which I actually spoke about earlier when we were talking about January and burnouts is that we've launched a Dear Damsels* blog space on the website. <sighs> we started this in tandem with this podcast because we wanted to provide a space to talk about things that were going on in the world outside of our submissions. Mm. Usually before we launched the blog we were talking about this in our Sunday roundups we were doing the odd tweet we really think it's important to keep generating conversations between us and the collective we want to keep talking to you and having discussions about certain things that are going on Mm. and it'll be a space for us to bring contributors features you know giveaways and things like that like talk about
1: kind of more topical stuff
0: but also you know bring
1: your attention to a certain collection of really great pieces of writing yeah because again in.
0: we've got we've been doing this for three years now so we have such a plethora of oh my beautiful God. writing
1: Literally, our archive is like the best thing it's amazing <laughs> like I regularly <laughs>
0: when I'm having an emotion I go on to Dear Damsels and I find a piece that corresponds directly to that emotion and I feel <laughs> so much better and usually I tweet it out just be like guys this exists because we're so lucky to have had the amazing writing that we've had mm. we wanted a way to bring it in more naturally exactly and, like, yeah. discussions that are going on at the current time so the blog is a perfect way to do that so I think the last blog we published and maybe a new one by now but I'm going to plug the last one because yeah, I wrote it um, we wrote about <laughs> post-event but also talking about modesty and being modest and how that works when you're proud of something Yeah. so definitely go and check that out if yes. you can it's on the homepage of the website on our website is ww.damsels.com. I love that Thank you for listening to Her Own Words. You can read all the pieces that we've mentioned on our website, www.deardamsels.com and find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at damsels And you
1: can also share your own words by subscribing
0: to our mailing list and then submitting for our
1: next monthly theme. You can also subscribe to review and rate this podcast on various podcast platforms. Share it with everybody that you know if you enjoyed it. <laughs> That's it for now. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye, Brian. Bye, Abbs.